start reading, start studying, and, and figure out who you're calling on and what they need and what they want and how you can help them get it. You know, Zig Ziglar years ago said, hey, selling is easy, man. Just give people what they want. Boom. I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my nine to five job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hey there, and welcome to Lead with Impact. This is Brian, and I am excited to have you with me today. We are going to be talking to Dwayne Cashin. Dwayne is a sales expert, author, and professional speaker. And we're going to talk about a lot of things, I think, but mostly about how to sell effectively. We all sell something at the end of the day in business, and we all want to be better at it. So I love talking to sales experts, and honestly, I think this conversation is going to be one of the best that we've had on Lead with Impact. So I'm super excited for it. Also want to take a moment to thank you for listening to Lead with Impact. I really appreciate it. Wanted to let you know too that we are now on Amazon Music. So you can find us there as well as the regular places like Spotify, iHeart Music, and Apple Podcasts. While you're there, take a moment, subscribe, rate, and review. That would help me and the podcast tremendously. That being said, let's jump into it and let's learn a little bit about getting better at sales with Dwayne Cashin. So Dwayne, welcome to Lead with Impact. Well, thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure to be with you today. I'm excited to have you. Now, as we are talking, I can see two books behind you. Did you write those books? Yes, I did. Uh, one of them I wrote a chapter along with Tom Hopkins and Dr. Uh, Earl Gray. And the, and the other book uh, is, is, is my work, yeah. What are the names of the books? Uh, my book is Expect More, Sell More. It's about a journey of a young salesperson uh, who came out of the gate very, very quickly. And then uh, reality struck and he was challenged and a mentor comes forward to help him. And I'm trying to present a few uh, helpful concepts there. It's a fun little uh, parable, if you will. And the other book uh, is called Conversations on Success. Interesting. Let's yeah. use that as a starting point and expect, okay. more, expect more, sell more. What does our protagonist learn? How, how does he improve? Well, the, the title is making a statement that buyers today um, are, are very savvy and um, their expectations have been raised significantly. And I, I know that that may be obvious. I think we've all read that. We've heard that. I think we're all pretty aware of that. But I've got to say that 75%, and I'm being conservative on that, Brian, 75% of salespeople today have not adjusted their sales approach to align with the uh, increased expectations. So what I'm saying, expect more, expect more of yourself, 
because buyers expect more of you as a seller. And that means uh, three things typically. Number one, I, I think that we all need to be a student. First and foremost, we have to be a student. And uh, anybody that thinks that they've gained enough knowledge to last them for the rest of their life or through the next sales cycle, anybody that thinks like that, unfortunately, is going to be very sadly uh, mistaken. Uh, the second thing is, is that salespeople need to become business people. Uh, they don't have to get an MBA, but they certainly have to understand business language, terminology. They've got to understand where costs lie. They've got to understand how companies make money, a little bit about the marketing and market dynamics. And then the third, the third piece is, is that's when they become a salesperson. Uh, so it's become a student, expect more of yourself, rise to the occasion and learn, 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 and then be a business person, learn how to apply what we're learning. And then, and then thirdly, we're the salesperson. That's when we ask them to buy our products and services. It sounds like you're almost inverting the pyramid where I've talked to salespeople before and they start as salespeople and then maybe they keep learning and maybe they learn business, but they're salespeople first. So you're saying switch that around? That's it. It's, I never thought of it that way. That's an interesting perspective uh, that you just made on the spot here. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, you know, the, the, well, I'm trying to, trying to think of how to, um, in, in, it's, in, it's inverted. Sales people, you know, the thing, we've got to, we've got to go back to the, ni the 1990s, you know, when the internet wasn't, wasn't out. And then the internet came into play around 1992. I mean, I think when we really started using it and then Google search came out. And as soon as that happened, we as the salespeople, we relinqu relinquished our power. All of the information escaped. You know, it wasn't that hard to get an appointment pre-internet because buyers wanted to know what new technology is out. Hey, what can you tell me about my competition? You're out in the field salesperson. What are you seeing? So it was easier to get an appointment. And at that point, I think salespeople relied heavily on their personality and product knowledge, the features and the functions, and this is how it works. And this is brand new. And look, you can do this. And, and buyers got excited about that. But when the internet and Google searches came out and people started to get information on their own, we were no longer that walking and talking brochure. The bar had been raised overnight and, and some salespeople kind of got left behind. They didn't realize what was going on. And they continued selling, trying to get people excited with the features and the, you know, the old fab method, the feature, the advantage and the benefit. And there's still some reality to that, but it's, it's, it's a different world today. And salespeople, you know, I'm a salesperson by nature. I love salespeople. I don't, what I'm about to say, I hope no one takes offense at this, but salespeople, because they're rather impatient, because they're very intense and they're very enthusiastic about their products, which is great. Don't ever lose that enthusiasm. But you put those, those characteristics together and they have a tendency to want to cut corners. They have a tendency to be impatient. They want to, let's move it along, let's move it along. They start presenting too early. They speak too rapidly. They, they don't ask enough probing questions and they're pitching the product. And the next thing you know, the prospect is just checked out. Is that where we get the cliche of the used car salesman? 
and I mean that not necessarily in a bad way, nothing against used car salesmen, <laughs> who I know there's no, many, yeah. many with integrity, but I think, you know, sort of the cliche of the pushy salesman, yeah. the one who won't let you leave the lot until you agree to a sale. Yeah. And the other thing, I, you, I, you're right. And the other thing that it comes into play is, is that 10 years ago, let's see, this is 2000, that would be 1990. Um, eight years ago, and then going back into history, 99.9% .9 of salespeople were extrinsically motivated. And, 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 and we taught them to be overly persistent and to just keep going back at a prospect over and over and over. This was actually started by the guy who founded the National Cash Register Company back in like 1889 or somewhere around there. He, he was, he's the, the father, if you will, of sales process. He, I'll just give you a quick rundown. Here's what he did. He put everybody in territory so they were organized. He gave everybody a cash register, taught them every button and every lever, every single feature. You had to memorize it or they just kicked you out. He gave them a presentation. They had to do the same presentation, wrote, regardless of what prospect they were meeting with, no, no adjustment based on the business that this prospect was in. Then he gave them every single objection they would ever hear and gave them rebuttals to every single objection and then gave them every single closing technique that could be used. And then lastly, told them you are not to leave the prospect's office until one of two things happens. What do you think they were? One would be a sale. I'm not sure what the second one would be. Exactly. One is a sale and the other one is they kick you out. You are not to leave until you either get a check and a sale or they physically kick you out. So that put that's, that's where it started, man, back in the 1880s. The aggressive nature, the, the, it's about the rep, it's about making the sale, it's about the company, and it, it's a totally, it's changed 180 degrees. And a lot of sales reps are still selling the way they did back in the 80s, and it doesn't work today. Very interesting. It's just the truth. Which of those steps that you outlined for me do salespeople struggle with the most? First of all, let me say this. Salespeople, and I'm not being patronizing now, salespeople by and large are very intelligent people because what their job is extremely difficult. Their competition is trying to eat their lunch all day long. The company sales management, VPs, upper management, owners, they're putting a lot of pressure on the salesperson to perform. The salesperson is being rejected. It takes a very high number of contacts uh, whether you're on LinkedIn and you're doing, you know, you're going the LinkedIn route, you're picking up the phone, you're sending stuff in the mail, you put it all together. It's a lot of effort to get a sale. You put all that together, a sales rep that can endure that, a sales rep that can adjust to different personality styles and be persistent. That's a very intelligent person. So we're talking about really smart people here. But what, but the problem is, is they're steeped in these old habits. They're not becoming the student first. So you asked me, where, what step in that process that I outlined are they struggling with the most? Number one, they're not studying. They're not putting the time in after work or early in the morning to read about business. Today, sell, effective selling, the first thing we do is we focus on markets. If, we're in, if, we, if medical needs us, we focus on medical, insurance, manufacturing, light manufacturing, aerospace, automotive. We, we, and we can work a couple of them. I'm not saying you have to be in only one. We can work a couple. 
but we start out by identifying the vertical markets that, that need us, and we read about the trends and the issues and the threats and the opportunities. I call that Tito, actually, trends, issues, threats, opportunities that they face in that vertical, and we educate ourselves. We become a student on that. Now we're prepared to ask an intelligent question that we can ask in an email. Now we're prepared to leave an intelligent uh, voicemail, understanding some of the worlds of the world that this prospect is in. Now we have information that we can follow up in. So that's the area that sales representatives will get a serious ROI if they educate themselves and they focus on verticals. Today, people want specialists. You want, I want specialists, our doctor, our, our automotive care person. We don't want generalists today. We want people that have seen what we're experiencing and that can bring ideas to the table to help us either solve a problem that we have or take advantage of an opportunity that we are so passionate about receiving. So I, I don't know, I hope that answers your question. It does, and I love that answer. It seems to me if a salesperson comes with that Tito model, they're really leading with value and providing something of substance right away. And, and that is, you know, there's a, the value word, we're, we're, we're all using the value word all day long, and sales representatives are now being, becoming numb to it. It's still really important, okay? Just because we're hearing it daily from many different angles doesn't mean it's not super important. The thing is, is reps need to understand what the heck is the definition of selling value? And the definition is very simple, really. It's not easy, but it's fairly simple. And that is to have an understanding of the world of the, the, that prospect. And there's three things that we have to understand when we call on anybody, before we call on anybody. This is mandatory to be effective and to establish credibility. Number one, we've got to do some study on their, on their industry. We've got to be prepared with a three. We go with the magic of three. three. Three trends that are happening, three game changers that are going on. Uh, we've got to understand those. We've got to understand uh, some issues that they're experiencing and what are the consequences if a company does not address those issues. So we understand a little bit about the industry they're in. Then we have to go on their website. I can't tell you, Brian, how many presidents and owners I talk to that are, I ask them, how do you feel about being called on by a salesperson? And they, and they usually shake their head. I mean, some of them like they take up their glasses and they start wringing their face. And I go, why are you reacting like that? They go, man, because they're pitiful. I said, why, why are you saying salespeople are pitiful? And they give me examples. One president the other day said, I got a call from a salesperson and the salesperson knew nothing about my business. He knew the name of my company and roughly what business we were in. Sales rep hadn't even been on, on, the, on the guy's website. You have to go on the website. I'm not saying spend an hour, but find out, is there a president's message? Can you find out a little bit about their culture? What do they stand for? What do they believe in? Find out a little bit about their customers. That's a very helpful point. So that's the second thing. Go on the website for a couple minutes, just five, 10, 15 minutes, get some helpful information. And the third thing is you have to understand the role that the person is in that you're calling on. Are you calling on someone in finance? Cause you better be up, you better be able to talk money. You're calling on somebody who's an analytic, probably an engineer or an accountant. You better be ready with some facts, figures and percentages and numbers, right? 
You're calling on a president and a CEO. You're not going to talk. You're not going to get down in the weeds. You got to talk about their. You got to talk about their image, the market share that they have. Are they growing? Are they in? A, are they in? A, are they? Are they growing? What what phase are they in? Are they in decline? Are they in a status quo? You just figure a few of these things out, and then you're prepared to have a very intelligent conversation, and that's the definition of value. Extraordinary. But but so basic, isn't it, Brian? It is. All, all it takes is work. All it takes is work and focus. It's not. It's this isn't rocket science. I love that. All it takes is work. Yeah, all it takes is work. I watched a little. I don't know. Are you a football fan at all? Yes, a very big football fan. I, I watched a little expose on uh, Jerry Rice last night. Man, I didn't know that guy's background. His father was a bricklayer, a mason. And he made, his, he made his sons, of which obviously Jerry was one, work with him during the summers in the heat. I think they were down in Alabama or Mississippi. And, and Jerry Rice's job was to catch bricks. His other brother would throw the bricks. And Jerry's job was to feed his father with bricks so his father could jam. Because if his father had to stand around with no bricks to put down Money was being lost because he had to go to another job. He had to get that done. So Jerry had learned to catch bricks for hours and days and weeks. And, and, and his work ethic was just insane. He would be the first one on the field. He would practice after, afterwards. And he, he's in the Hall of Fame. He attributes his success. Yes, he's got some talent. But more so, he attributes to the hard work. And, I, and I'll tell you, it was a reminder for me. Because I'm working on my next book and I'm behind. And I'm asking myself, Dwayne, what's your excuse? Oh, well, oh, this, oh, that. Oh, really? Seriously? I mean, watching that thing last night at Jerry Rice was a breath of fresh air and a wake-up call for me. All it takes is work, Dwayne. And that reminds me of what you said earlier about being the student, about reading before work, reading after work, learning about topics that will give you an advantage. And this is especially true right now with the COVID-19 situation. What's, what's, what we have to keep in mind, you and me and everybody that's in business, what we have to collectively keep in mind, there are businesses out there that are operating and they have issues and problems and opportunities that they want to take advantage of. So if we have a service or we have some ideas that would help these people, these businesses in this current COVID situation, and we're prepared to have an intelligent conversation. And again, it's gonna be based on their industry. It's gonna be based on their their company and some of their goals, plans, and objectives, right? We're back to the value thing. But if we can figure out some of their needs and we can align what we do with their needs, what a great phone call, what a great voicemail, what a great email. So I, I want to encourage everyone, start reading, start studying, and, and figure out who you're calling on and what they need and what they want and how you can help them get it. You know, Zig Ziglar years ago said, hey, selling is easy, man. Just give people what they want. Boom. Just give them what they want. And man, that is true, isn't it? Absolutely. So you triggered another question for me. Yeah. A tactical question. Okay. Email, phone, social media, direct response. What works? If I were to come to you and say, Dwayne, what should I do? 
all of it. The magic is in the mix, all of it. Handwritten notes, they're coming back. They're coming back because nobody's using them. I, I, I asked my clients, hey, when you talk to a salesperson, what did they do to gain enough credibility so you would meet with them? Because you're a busy person, right? You don't just meet with people just for the heck of it. They, they had to say something or demonstrate something. What is it? And a lot of them are saying, you know, this guy sent me a, a handwritten thank you note, a handwritten note. And, and I thought that was interesting. And, and so when he called the next time, I thought, what the heck, I'm going to talk to this guy just because he sent him a handwritten note. Handwritten notes. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Everybody that's in LinkedIn knows that they are in a directory, a business directory. And part and parcel to being in that business directory is they're inviting people to contact them. I've heard presidents and, and decision makers say that when I get an email, a direct email, I may, not, I may not engage with it. But when somebody contacts me on this open forum that I signed up for called LinkedIn, I usually do get back to them. But they don't want to be sold on LinkedIn. No sales pitches. It turns people off. Phone. Pick up the phone. Call people, but be prepared to either have them pick up and be prepared with some intelligent observations about their industry, about their company or on their website, about their role, right? Be prepared, they may pick up the phone and also be prepared to leave a voicemail and then be prepared with some email scripts. So here's how it goes. We pick up the phone because we wanna, we wanna talk with someone and sometimes they do pick up the phone, but we're prepared with voicemail. And we're also prepared with an email. It's a system. It's phone, voicemail, email. In the voicemail, you want to tell the prospect, I'm going to send you an email now, Brian. And the subject is going to be, all it takes is hard work. So now when that prospect gets that email, they will recognize the subject line. They'll remember that great voicemail that you left, which was relevant and about their world and the chances of them opening that email just went up. Nothing works 100%, but we want to stack the odds in our favor. And that is a great little system. Phone call, great voicemail, short, pithy, all about their world, a couple ideas you have. And by the way, I'm going to send you an email and the subject line is going to be, all you got to do is work hard. Then you're prepared three days after that to, to make more contact and you keep going. Reps ask me, how, how many times can I contact the prospect? You can contact the prospect five, six, seven times in about a six week period if, and this is, the, this is the caveat, if the information you're leaving is relevant and germane to their world, if you're talking about some trends, if you're talking about some, some issues. Because the thing, anybody that's listening to this that's doubting what I'm saying right now is being effective, I want you to remember one thing. Every company is looking for a competitive advantage. Every company, every leader today is under magnificent pressure to perform. Right? Is there anybody that would disagree with that? So what are they looking for? They're looking for ideas. They're looking for people that can bring to the table insights and ideas that they can embrace to establish some of their goals. What I just said, I absolutely promise you, is a fact. What does that mean? That means they want to hear from us. But they don't want to hear from a salesperson that's just going to pitch features and functions. They'll shut us down in a heartbeat. They don't suffer fools lightly. 
bring something to the table, and then do it with a lot of people all day long, and you're going to be a success. All right, you've got me going down this rabbit hole now, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you a couple other sales questions. Okay. Elevator pitch, still relevant or no? Well, yes, because we have to explain very quickly what it is we do. You know, if I, like if I was going to call, just for example, if I was going to call in what I do, if I was going to call on an insurance agency, right? I, I might say, you're, you're, you're the uh, owner of this agency. I might say, Brian, my name is Dwayne Cashin, and I work with insurance agencies to help them get more of their salespeople achieving a higher number. And I wonder if I could talk with you about that for a minute. You say, okay, Dwayne, I'll give you one minute. What do you got? Well, Brian, I, I, when I talk with a lot of agency owners, it's amazing how many are frustrated. They go through the interview process. They hire what they think is a high producing agent and they get the agent on board and after about four five, six months or they don't have a pipeline and they're not being a success. And I'm wondering if you're experiencing anything similar to that. That's the format of an opening statement that I use. I'll use that when I get them live and I'll use that when I on voicemail. But the point is, I know for a fact that the turnover rate in insurance agencies is extremely high. I know for a fact that new agents struggle mightily in prospecting. And I know for a fact that many of them don't have the staying power to hang in there with. So what I said, you know, Brian, I work with insurance agencies to help them get their salespeople to be more productive, primarily in the area of prospecting. I know that that is a massive hot button. So yes, the elevator pitch is important, but it's got to be relevant and germane to their world. It's got to be like a nerve. You're going to touch something and you get a reaction from them. That's where the study comes in. You know, because you've done the work. Yeah, you know, and you interview people, you call agencies. When we first start out, for those reps that are listening that are brand new, go to the, go to the owner of your company or your manager and say, give me some names of happy customers that we have. And I'm going to contact them and introduce myself. I've got a few questions to ask them about their world and how we help them. Right. That's how new reps get going. An existing rep already has some clients. So call up your existing clients. Ask them, what's, how are you? What's going on in the COVID? What are you trying to do? What's your biggest challenge? Tell me, what's your vision? What, what are you, how are you going about dealing with this? Find out from people in the field and then write, write notes and use this information to contact others in their industry. And use an elevator pitch that addresses some of their needs, a hot button. Excellent. Common sense. Goes a long way, right? Somebody's listening to this call and they're going, Dwayne, I already know that. I already know that. Okay, fine, you already know it. Question is, are you doing it? And I have to tell you again, 75% of salespeople, although this is obvious, they're not doing it. It's just a fact. I'm not, I don't mean to be negative. It's just the truth. The good news is when sales reps tell me, oh, Dwayne, you can't believe how competitive it is out there, man. It's so, such a challenge for me. Really? So we've got sales reps that are calling that haven't even been on that company's website. You call that competitive? Is that person really a competitor? You got 75% of sales 
people not being prepared with relevant information? Is that really a competitive market? No, I think what we're talking about is it's a crowded market. But there's a big difference between it's crowded and it's competitive. The reps that are bearing down on this edu the student, business person, then sales, the reps that are taking that as serious as a heart attack, they're standing out in the, in the field big time. Prospects can see it, they can smell it, they can feel it in a heartbeat. They know they're dealing with a professional. Let's elevate the professionalism of selling. It's a wonderful career to be in. It's wonderful, have pride in it, but, but be that consultant. Take a consultative approach and that always requires knowledge. That leads me to another question that I wanted to ask you, and that is about the psychology of sales. Huge. You, you talked earlier about how intelligent salespeople are, and I agree, to be successful, you have to be very intelligent. Yeah. For all the reasons we've discussed, but I think there's a psychological element that an accountant or somebody in another form of business doesn't necessarily have to have because of all the rejection that probably even the best people or best salespeople get. Am I on the right track there? Yeah, absolutely. There is a very specific mental DNA of top performers. They, they rebound quickly from rejection. They, their buy cycle, when they buy things in their personal life, they may do some research and contact a couple of different providers, but they're not necessarily looking for the lowest price. They're looking to educate themselves. And when they find a salesperson who is intelligent, effective, then they'll go ahead and be very decisive and they'll make a decision right there. If a sales rep, the way they buy in their personal life, they shop around a lot and they're looking for the lowest price, when they get an objection from a buyer, well, I want to think it over. They're going to say, okay, because that's what they do. When they get, a, they get an objection from the buyer, it goes, wow, man, I think your price is kind of high. I'm going to go get a couple more quotes. The rep will go, okay because that's what they do. So I'm just giving you a couple of examples of the, of the, the, the mental uh, issues that come into play here. The ability to handle rejection, the ability to be decisive, the ability to, some, one of the things, and I had this problem, one of the killer mental issues that'll ruin a salesperson is an intense need to be liked. Now, let me clarify, do we have to be liked by the prospect? Yes, we do but some reps take it so far that they won't challenge a prospect. If a prospect is, is, is commenting on, on this product or service in a way that's flat out incorrect, well, the sales rep needs to be the consultant and say, sir, I can appreciate your perspective. We, I've heard that sort of thing as well, but if that flat out isn't true, let me tell you what the reality is, right? Some reps can't do that because they're afraid they're going to upset the prospect and their prospect isn't going to like them and then they're going to lose the deal. There's six of these and you hit on something which is imperative. If you hire, if you're looking to hire salespeople and they've got strong selling skills, the ability to ask questions, the ability to follow up, things of that nature, they're strong in those areas, but their head is, they've got too many of these, 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 uh, these, uh, Sab self-sabotaging beliefs, they're not going to work out. 
On the other hand, if you have somebody with really strong mental beliefs, but they need training on closing and follow-up, that's fine. That's good. I'll hire that person because we can train them on that stuff. I have assessments that I use that are highly effective in helping my clients assess a candidate to find out where they're at with these issues. I also have evaluations when I work with a client to help them evaluate their existing team to make sure they've got the right people on board, make sure that they're in the right roles. Those elements are very important in establishing momentum and being a success in, in selling. So yeah, you're right. It's very important. Psychology is critical. And your answer leads me to one more question. I am a member of several different sales groups myself as a management consultant. I sell, so I'm learning from you as well as sharing this with our audience. Great. And one of the questions that I see thrown out every once in a while in these groups that always gets varied answers is, would you recommend sales as a career to a young person? So I'd love to ask you that question. You know, I used to ask my audiences that sort of just to make a point, you know, I'd have 300 people in, the, in an audience at an association meeting and I'd say, raise your hand if you have a, a daughter, son or daughter who is getting ready to go to college and good number of hands go up. And I would say, now, how many of them are you recommend, how many of you are recommending to your son or daughter that they pursue a career in selling? And, and, and I get laughter in the audience and maybe one hand will go up from a maverick. As you alluded to earlier, if you walk down the street with a microphone, you do the old man on the street interview and you stop people and you ask them, sir, I like to ask you a question. What comes to mind when I say the word salesperson? What you'll hear by and large is used car salesman. That is the perception. So when that is the perception, salespeople have a tendency to absorb that negativity and they, and they look at themselves as though they're losers and no one wants to talk to them. And, and that is absolutely devastating. There are many, many sales professionals that are professionals that in fact help people, that provide excellent advice, that show ideas and help guide companies to accomplishing their goals. That really does exist. It really does. More and more colleges are, are putting a sales curriculum in place. So I think there is a movement toward professionalism and certification in, in sales. But uh, that, you know, what you brought up is, is a fairly common, uh, you know, reaction, the negativity toward the career of selling. It could be a wonderful career. It sounds like to me, if someone asked you that question, you would say yes, if you are willing to be in the 25% of salespeople who do it right. Yeah, good point. Well put. If you're willing to catch the bricks. Ooh, I like that. That could be the title of uh, Jerry Rice's book. Be willing to catch the bricks. Man, you ought to send him that. <laughs> All right. I'm not kidding you. I I'll bet you he would yeah. love that, Brian. I'm serious. Right. Well, I got it from you, so I'll, I'll leave that to no, you. No, no, no. You, you put it together. You put that idea together. Call, get a hold of Jerry Rice. I'm serious. And tell him, I've got I watch your expose, uh, Football Life, Jerry Rice on uh, the NFL channel, and I saw you catching those bricks for your dad, and there's a book here that salespeople would love, and that is the persistence and the preparation and the, the ability to catch those bricks and to keep it, keep the momentum going. Oh, that, that could be so cool. All right. I make a pledge right now that 
after this, I'm going to reach out to Jerry Rice and try to get him on Twitter. I'm going to send him that idea. He's retired. I mean, he, you know, he's, he's around, he's talking to people. What a great idea. Good. Cool. You got to follow up with me. Let me know how that goes. I will. I will. And I'll tell him it came from you because it really did. So, um, What's your impact statement? I know we've talked a lot, but if you had to boil down everything Dwayne Cash and believes about sales and business into a short statement for the world, what would it be? I, wow, I mean, come on, that is, uh, you, you, you ask great questions. That's a brutal question. I, I, I would need to think about that, but just out of the gate, I think I would say I am an experienced professional and one of my strongest skills is I listen. I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to ask you great questions. And I'm going to uncover a need or two. You know, we, we don't have to try to solve every problem that a buyer has. We can solve one or two or introduce them to an opportunity. One or two, we're delivering value. Um, I'm going to ask you great questions. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to map it over what I know to be effective. And I'm going to give you some suggestions that will enable you to accomplish some of your most pressing issues. And I, I, I think, you know, that's what comes into mind. Amazing. Where can people find you online, Dwayne? Um, my uh, website is cashinsales.com and cashin is spelled just like it sounds. C-A-S-H-I-N, cashin, sales, S-A-L-E-S.com. Uh, my email is Dwayne, which I spell it D-U-A-N-E, Dwayne at cashinsales.com. And, and um, you can reach me in those ways and I'd love to help in any way I can. All right, amazing. We'll make sure everyone gets it here in the audio and also in the show notes. Dwayne, well, this, you, is, this has been a great conversation. Our audience is going to love it. I loved it. I took away some tips. So I want to thank you both from me and my audience for being with us today. Well, I, I thank you. You know, we're both on a mission to help people, uh, right? It gives us meaning in our life and our work. And I, I've got a suggestion for you. If, if your audience can give you feedback about this session if they found it helpful. And if there's a couple areas about selling that they are really struggling with and they want, to, they want more in-depth information, let's hear from them and let's you and I put together a pro, you know, another session where we answer some of their questions. I would love that. If you're down now, for- I've got, I've got a book right here. The title of it is They Ask, You Listen. It's written by Marcus Sheridan, who's known as a sales lion. And this is one of the best books on marketing and selling that I have read in the last five years. And what it suggests to us is blog about the questions that your buyers have and answer their questions. That's why the book is titled, They Ask, You Listen. So if anybody is struggling with, well, what should my topic of my blog be? And what, what should I emphasize in, 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 in an email? Answer the questions that you know your prospects have. How do I do this? Why is this happening to me? I did this and this is what happened. Why? 
again, the study, that's where the study, you find out this stuff through study, the trends. This is a wonderful way to capture people's attention. So you, with your wonderful podcast, if you could use this concept and ask your audience, what do you need to know? What are you struggling with? And then, and then you can use your, you know, your bench on one of your, one of your resources and you can put together these absolutely killer podcasts that are nailing it dead on. It's just a thought. I love it. So yeah, li listeners, we want to hear what you need help with for sales. Yeah. And uh, that's great. I'll, we'll talk about that too when we do the press for this. Thank you, Dwayne. I appreciate everything you've done. I appreciate you being with us and uh, thank you so much. And I appreciate you, Brian. Thank you.